I'd like us to think, not from Luke's Gospel, but from John's Gospel, chapter 7, just two verses we'll take for our text. John chapter 7 and, and verse 37, and this is what it says. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. I want us to think about the last day. The last day. When Paul was talking about uh, in Romans, as we read, there was the last day there. There was the last day that the Israelites were in Egypt. And then they went across into freedom. And then when Joshua was taking the Israelites across the Jordan, that was the last day in the wilderness. And they were eventually going into the land of milk and honey that God had promised Abraham. And Jesus here is standing at the last day of the great feast. Now he's obviously the Lord is not speaking of a physical last day. I would suggest he's speaking of a spiritual thirst, not a, a physical thirst, but a, 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 not a physical thirst, but a spiritual thirst. The gospel, when it's heard and applied by the Holy Spirit, brings a thirst. Acts chapter 2, verse 22 tells us there what happens when the gospel is applied when it's preached it has to be preached how shall they hear without a preacher and faith comes by hearing it's important that we hear God's word it's important that the gospel is preached in many churches up and down our land today the gospel will not be preached it's good works just carry on as you are and just well God will eventually have pity on everyone the Bible tells me, and I truly believe this, that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. He has no other power, in a sense, to save anyone other than through the gospel. He can't save you through your good works. He can't save you of your much giving. Now, I'm not limiting God's power, but he has made a promise that it's the gospel that will save souls. You've heard the gospel. How many times have you heard the gospel? Do you believe it? Has it sunk down into your heart, not into your brain? A lot of people can tell you what the gospel is, but you don't have it in your heart. You have to have it in your heart. Because that's what God asked uh, Solomon. In Solomon 23, I think it is, in verse 26, God said, son, give me your heart. That's what God wants from you this morning. And he wants from me. He wants our heart. Well, he's got mine. He got mine when I was 38 years of age. Up until then, it was my heart. But from then on, it's his heart. 
And I know that it's his heart because he has sent the Holy Spirit. But Jesus says that it's imperative that he goes. If he doesn't go, then the Holy Spirit won't come. And he sent the Holy Spirit to be with us and also to be in us. What an incredible thing the Christianity is. No other religion can say that there's a God, the Holy Spirit, is dwelling within their hearts. He walks with me and he talks with me and he leads me along life's narrow way. Acts chapter 2 and verse 22 and 24, this is what it says. Peter, preaching that gospel, ye men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken, he's blaming them. And that's what the gospel does, it blames us. That's why Christ came into the world, to save sinners. So Peter is right here, he's blaming them just as the gospel blames us. I was the one that was wrong, not Jesus. It was me. You have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God has raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. And then in verse 36 and 38, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made this same Jesus whom you have crucified. See, again, he says it's your fault. It was because of you, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, did they laugh? This is what it says. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. You see, it's their heart. It's not their mind. It's the heart that cares. It's concerned, were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter, to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You see, when the gospel is preached faithfully, there's three things that happen. There's a conviction of sin. That's why Paul Peter says here, it was your fault that Christ had to come into the world. He had to come in to save sinners. So it brings a conviction of sin. And these men here, 3,000 of them, were convicted. And they realized, yes, it was my fault. Have you come to that stage? where you take the blame. You've got to come to that stage where you take the blame. So one of the things that happens when the gospel is preached is there's a conviction of sin. Secondly, if there's a conviction of sin and we take the blame, then there's a desire for pardon from that sin. How can I get rid of it? If I'm a sinner... How can I get rid of sin? Because the Bible says that he cannot look on sin. God doesn't look on sin. He can't look on sin. That's why he turned away from his son. 
three hours, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? His father couldn't look upon him because he who knew no sin was made sin for us, for me. So there's not only the conviction of sin where you feel sorrow, but there's a desire to be pardoned, to be right with God. And the third thing that will always happen is that there's peace of conscience. You see, it's your conscience that tells you. It's your conscience that nags at you. But when the Holy Spirit comes into your life and you've been convicted of sin and you have a desire to be pardoned and you reach out for Jesus, that's what Jesus says here, he that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of water. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. There's peace in the conscience. Do you have peace in your conscience? Do you have peace when you think about when you have to stand before God and we'll all have to stand before God and we'll all have to give an account of our lives and what are you going to say to God? I've heard many people telling me what they were going to say to God I'll tell him this why did you do this? why didn't you do that? heard that Mother Teresa, when she was asked the same question, she said that, I'll say to God, why did you do this? My friends, you and I will stand speechless. Speechless. Just as you're a court of law, you stand speechless before the judge. And when we come to see the Lord, we'll stand speechless. But only for a moment, <coughs> only for a moment. For if we're Christians, then we'll start to sing. That song that we read about in Revelation chapter 14 and Revelation chapter 5, it's a new song. <coughs> a song that's never been sung before. And if it's a new song, then we're going to learn it. <coughs> And everyone in heaven will learn it. And because it's a new song, it will eventually become an old song. Just like the gospel, when it was first heard, it was a new message. But what do you say now? Tell me the old, old story. That new message eventually becomes an old message. And this new song that will be sung in heaven will eventually become an old song because it will be the only song. <coughs> we won't need this. I'm sorry, but you'll be out of work. But you'll be glad. You'll be glad. So there's conviction, there's desire, and there's peace. Look what happened in Acts chapter 2 and in Acts chapter 4. There was 3,000 souls saved and then there was 5,000 souls saved just through the preaching of the gospel. 
Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. 8,000 people in a matter of weeks hearing this great news that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners were saved, taken from their sin, given this great pardon, and every one of them had conscience in their mind. So that's how great the gospel is. But when we come to Acts chapter 16, there's only two souls that are saved. Lydia and the jailer. So that's how vast the gospel is. It can save thousands and it can save individuals. When I was saved, there was no one else around, so it was just an individual. But I love to read Acts chapter 2 there when the chapter 4 8,000 people and it goes on to say in Acts that some of the officials were eventually saved as well and have you been saved that's the important question this morning have you been saved for you'll never enter into heaven if you're not saved the importance of the gospel. Sometimes we, we see on the, on the telly, sometimes we look at the, the uh, 999 things and it says there that they have life-changing injuries. Well, the gospel has life-changing, but it's not injuries. It takes us from the injury and makes us Good. What a wonderful thing it is to be a Christian and to have the gospel and to have it in your heart. Jesus says here, he stands up there, it's the last day. Now the Bible has a lot to say about the last day. The last day is the first day of eternity. Or the last moment is the last moment or the beginning of eternity. And what does the Bible say about the last day? Well, let me just give you a few instances. In John chapter 5, verse 28, it tells us there that every ear shall hear him. Jesus says in John chapter 5 that when he comes and he shouts, everyone in the grave will hear his voice. That happens on the last day. So the first thing is that everyone will hear his voice. Secondly, in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7, that every eye shall see him. Even those that pierced him, his enemies, every eye shall see him. That's on the last day. Thirdly, Philippians chapter 2, it tells us there that everybody shall obey him. God has highly exalted him, given him a name above every other name. But at that name, everybody shall obey him. They'll bow the knee. Everyone shall bow the knee. Even those who hated him. Fourthly, Philippians chapter 2, verse 10, every tongue shall acknowledge him. 
not only bow the knee, but acknowledge him. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. That's the last day. And then in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 46, every soul shall enter their own place. What did the Bible say about Judas? It says he entered his own place. We all have an own place. A place where we will go. And no one can stop us from going there. You asked yourself, where is my own place? Have you ever asked that question? Where is my own place? In other words, ask yourself this, where will I spend eternity? I used to give that track out in the streets here and, and in London. Where will I spend eternity? And sometimes the answers you used to get. Some people don't believe in eternity. They don't believe in heaven. They don't believe in hell. Once you're dead, you're dead and that's it. But that's not the case. That's not what the Bible says. So that's what's going to happen on the last day. Every ear shall hear him and they shall be raised. Every eye shall see him. Everybody shall obey him. They will bow the knee. They will acknowledge him that Jesus is Lord. And then they'll go to be their own place. And we're told about that in Matthew chapter 25. At the end of chapter 25, it tells us there that we'll all go to our own place. We'll be judged by a just God. And what God, the just God, does is right. <coughs> the last day, in verse 25, the last day of time, verse 26, and the first day of eternity, verse 27. But he's not talking here, I don't think, about the last day of time. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about the last day of time. What is he describing? He's describing the last day of hope. This is what this means. The last day of hope. Because you see, it's the last day of the feast. And just after he finishes preaching, and at that time, everyone will disperse and go to their own place. And when I say their own place, I'm talking about their village or their town. So it's the last day of hope that Jesus here is talking about. Not the last day of time. When Jesus disperses from here, he'll be going back up north. And he may never pass through Samaria again. He may never be at Sychar sitting on the, on the well. What he's saying here, what it tells us here, is that it's the last day of hope. Today, if 
you hear his voice. This today is the most important day. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Now, how is the last day of hope important? Jesus may never pass this way again. They may never ever hear the gospel again. But then again, you might hear the gospel next week. And you might hear the gospel the week after it. But it could be the day of the last hope. Let me tell you what I mean. Listen to what the Bible says about the last day of hope. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 22 following. This is God talking to Solomon. And Solomon writing it down. Because I have called and you have refused, I have stretched out my hand and no man has regarded but you have set at naught all my counsel and with none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear comes, when your fear cometh as desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, then you shall call upon me. Right. And... God said to Solomon that it will come. It may not, but it will come, he says. And you'll call upon me. And he's stressing here that God has spoken time and time again and they've listened and they've heard, but they've taken no notice. Then shall ye call upon me, but I will not answer you. They shall seek me, but they shall not find me. That's the last day of hope. You will call upon the name of the Lord, but he will not listen. Why? Because he has told you time and time again about his son, that you must repent, and you've done nothing about it. How many people say, when I'm an old person, I'll think about these things. I'm just a young person. I'm going to enjoy myself. You may come here next week and hear the gospel if you're not saved. You might come here next week and hear the gospel. You might come for the next 10 years and hear the gospel and do nothing about it. And then your calamity will come. And they talk about that on the deathbed confessions. There's only one death confession in the scriptures. And that's the man on the cross. And there's only one to give us hope. And there's only one that we might not presume. That's why Jesus says, watch and pray. Be ye ready. Because he's like a thief in the night. You don't know when he's coming. The calamity will come. And you will call upon the name of the Lord, but it will be too late because you have not done what God has said. John chapter 8 and verse 21 and verse 24. Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and you shall seek me, and you shall die in your sins. Whither I go, you cannot come. And in verse 24, I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins, if you believe not that I am he. 
you shall die in your sins. How many times have you heard about the Lord Jesus Christ? How many times have you heard the gospel from this pulpit, from different preachers, telling you in different ways, as it were, or reading different passages of scriptures, there's only one way, and that's to come to Christ. But how often have you heard, and you're still in your sin, Jesus says, well, you'll remain in your sin because when you start to cry through fear and not because you're convicted and you want pardon and you want peace of mind and conscience, but you're afraid, you won't hear. Romans chapter 1, another famous chapter Romans chapter 1, verse 24. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Verse 26. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change their natural use unto that which is against nature. That's a, a known thing today. The Bible said it's evil, but the the people today say it's not. But the Bible said it is. And it's not only talking about women, it talks about men as well. Likewise also men, leaving the natural use of the women, burned in their lusts one towards another with other men. The Bible said it's wrong. But what do you read in your newspapers and hear on the news? LGB, some this, that, and the next thing. They say it's all right, it's not. Verse 28, and even as they did not go, did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over. <coughs> you see, in the pulpits in some churches today, it'll be spoken of as the God of love. He loves everyone. But the Bible tells us it's not true. God gave them over. You want it, you can have it. And when you accept it, you can keep it. And I'll never ever take it from you. Is that what you want? It's my life. I'll do what I want. I'll live the way I want. It's my life. Who has a right to tell me what to do? God has. God has. Because you and I were made in his image. We are the only, if I can use the word species, I don't know if that's the right word or not, but we're the only species that God truly loves and has shown his love to he never died for a cow. He never died for a horse. He never died for a, a, an elephant. He died for people made in his own image. And the great thing about God making us in his image was that God made himself in our image. What a wonderful thing it is. We're made like gods in his image. And he loved us so much that he was prepared to come and be made in our image. Verse 
He took upon himself flesh and blood and became a human being. <clears throat> Why? Because there's a last day. And there's also a last day of hope. The last day of hope will come before the last day. Jesus stood and cried. Well, we can take the word cried in two ways. It can mean to weep. And it tells us that Jesus stood at the, the tomb and he stood at the gate of Jerusalem and he cried, he wept. But it can also be taken as a loud noise. And we can see that, that he made a loud noise on the cross when he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He cried with a loud voice. Think about the Lord Jesus Christ and what he was prepared to go through and what he went through for sinners. It wasn't for the righteous, he said that to the, the hierarchy. He's not coming here for, sin, for, for the righteous. The scripture tells us there's none righteous. The psalmist tells us that there is none righteous. No, not one. To stand in his presence, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus of Nazareth. And when we gaze on him, listen to this. On that day, there's going to be myriads and myriads of people gazing at one person. And on that same day, there's going to be one person gazing on myriads of people. We'll all be there gazing at him. And he'll be there gazing at us. We'll be so thrilled and he'll be so thrilled. And he'll say to his father, Father, here are the children that thou hast given me. <laughs> what a day that will be. It's a last day. That's why Jesus says, Today if you hear his voice, harden not your heart because it might be your last day. It might be your last day of opportunity. He may give you over. Terrible thing to think that God should give over anyone. But why shouldn't he when he warns us time and time again and we take no notice? Why shouldn't he? We know he's patient. We know he's long-suffering. But he's not ever suffering. Yes, he's long-suffering and he waits, but he's not ever suffering. There's a time coming when he will not wait. We've just read that in Proverbs chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. John chapter 8. My friends, today is the day of salvation. This is the day that the Lord has given us. He doesn't talk about tomorrow in the sense of salvation. He says today, 
My dear friends, if you're not saved, if you're here this morning and you're not saved, call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. That's what he says. He doesn't say try to climb Mount Everest and prove that you love me. Don't try to swim the channel to prove that you love me. Just come to me. Come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's all he asks us to do. We know that in that there's the repentance and believing, but that will come. You see, our faith is not ours. Our faith is what he gives us. Our repentance is not our repentance. It's what he gives us. It's all from him. He has everything in his hand. You have nothing. I have nothing. He has everything. And he has promised to share everything with us if we will only but come. That's what he says here. On the last day. Which one was it? In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried. He, was, he had a crowd in front of him. That's obvious how we read this. And he said, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, if any man thirst, let him come unto me. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Me. Now you can understand that, surely. It's only two letters. It's a small word. Me. When it's used by the Lord Jesus Christ, it's a personal word. Don't come to the church and think you can be saved. Don't go to a priest and think you can be saved. Don't go to a pope and think you can be saved. Come to the Lord Jesus Christ who alone can save. Salvation, as Job says, is of the Lord. So why go without it? If you haven't got it, why go without it? Because it's going to be your greatest joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength, the Bible says. <clears throat> Finish with this. I won't speak about it, but I'll just give you these five points because the time's gone. When Jesus stood in the last day, that great day of the feast, he stood and he cried, saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. First thing here we can say from this is the declaration. Jesus stood on the last day and he cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me. The declaration is this, that there's only one way that you can be saved. Come to me. That's his declaration today. Secondly, there was the proclamation. The proclamation. At the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me. The proclamation is 
Anyone. Jesus wasn't standing here pointing the fingers at certain people and we believe in election, of course, chosen before in Christ before the foundation of the world. But Jesus wasn't pointing the finger at this one and then that one and then that one. He says, anyone. Anyone. That could mean you. It could. It could mean you. Anyone. That's the proclamation. Anyone that comes to the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. And then thirdly, there's the self-examination. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, there's the self-examination. Have I got a thirst for the things of God? Do I yearn for that thirst to be filled? There's the self-examination. And fourthly, there's the self-realization. The self-realization. Not only the self-examination, examine yourself, but then when you do examine yourself, there's the self-realization. Yes, I do have a thirst. No, I don't have a thirst. And then fifthly, there's the self-satisfaction. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood cried, saying, If anyone thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. There's by grace are we saved through faith. The gospel's important, my friends. Don't ignore it. Grasp it. Today, it's hanging, as it were, from heaven on a string, and it's there to, by faith to grasp and take to yourself. Oh, my dear friends, it's a terrible thing when the day, the last day comes, that last day of hope. Because the Bible says, you will cry, you will have these terrible things happening to you. It's not an if. It's a certainty. And to cry to the Lord and the Lord to ignore us is terrible. But today, today if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Let's pray. Lord, if there be anyone here this after, this morning, if there be anyone here who has not come, if they have this desire in their heart, we know, Lord, it takes time for some people, for others, that those 5,000, the first, they heard the gospel, they were saved. But we read of others, Lord, who have heard the gospel, and like say Lydia, the Lord just opened her heart. Lord, do a work of salvation, we do pray. Bring glory to your name. Let it be seen that salvation is of the Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Five hundred and fourteen, five hundred and fourteen.